You're listening to Berlin Psychoanalytic Podcast. Contextualizing mental health treatment with asylum-seeking immigrants and refugees with Dr. Jesse Harbaugh. So I'm going to talk about the experience of working with asylum-seeking immigrants, refugees, um, immigrants who've experienced uh, difficult situations in their home country and that, that's necessitated them to have to come into a host country for protection and survival. So this is typically, we think of the experience as a three-phased kind of experience of flight. So there's, of course, the pre-migration phase, which includes all the things that we might think of, like war, people being targeted for having a vulnerable or unprotected status, um, people who are under threat uh, because maybe their family members have been murdered and uh, political groups are kind of threatening to also kill them, family disappearances, and even issues like not being able to care for their basic needs, having medical concerns that aren't being treated, aren't being met. So there are a lot of reasons for people to flee their country of origin. And then the next phase that is typically thought of is the um, migration phase. So that brings its own uh, collection of obstacles, uh, difficult, challenging experiences, um, and uh, that isn't survived by everybody who attempts it. So of course, just the unpredictability of the journey itself and not knowing exactly where you're going because kind of the first aim is to just get you out of a conflict zone and then where you go you might not know and whether you have your family members with you is sort of also up in the air so there's also some difficulties with uh, the, the migration phase itself so what we're doing is contextualizing a person's kind of accumulation of otherwise maybe traumatic experiences that they've had on their way to seeking asylum. Um, and then the post-migration phase, which is typically where most people encounter mental health professionals, not exclusively, but maybe what I'm going to focus on a little bit right now, um, the post-migration phase is also has many challenges uh, that people have to go through. So that can be any, anything from, as I said, kind of ongoing family separation. If family is there, having changes in, in familial roles, facing discrimination, facing racism and new, new forms, maybe never previously encountered forms of racism and ethnic bias. Um, experiencing also just institutional, not just personal level forms of racism, but also institutional forms. And the living conditions can also be very difficult and, or unsafe or uncomfortable or crowded in the refugee shelters. Um, so there can be a lot, of, a lot of uncertainty in terms also of not having a secure legal status, the experience of having to wait for many, many months or years before you can start working or before you even know that you can stay in a relatively safe environment and not have to go back home. Um, in, 
really bad cases also being detained for a certain amount of time in immigration detention centers and where you have very limited access to any kind of care um, and can even be continually accumulating this kind of trauma experience. From a mental health perspective, then we can ask, what is bringing the individual? So from a mental health perspective, we want to ask what's bringing the individual to us in the first place. There can be a variety of reasons. One might be that somebody's been referred from a particular institution that they're involved with. So maybe it's a shelter where they're staying. Maybe it's a school that they're having to attend where they're noticing that the person is having a lot of difficulty learning or maintaining attention in the classroom. Um, another really common referral source is from lawyers. So people who are trying to help the person get asylum in the host country, but when they try to get the information about the person's experiences in the home country, the individual's too flooded, overwhelmed to be able to put uh, their experiences of, in some cases, torture into a coherent narrative, and it's just too difficult to sort of write a testimony for purposes of an affidavit for legal proceedings. So there can be real legal kind of reasons why people are referred for mental health treatment. Another reason people are referred is sometimes word of mouth. So um, an asylum seeker will be in a new country and they'll see other people from their home country who've had similar experiences. And those people then direct them to trusted centers in the community that can offer practical advice, they can offer practical resources, and they can also, within a setting of helping them kind of get on their feet, also try to evaluate any kind of psychological, emotional difficulties that they're facing. So ideally kind of a wraparound service uh, for people with really complex, pressing, urgent needs. As a therapist working with an asylum seeker, there are some important things that you need to understand about, about your role. It's not like working within a purely, um, with someone who's also from a Western context. You're working with someone who doesn't have the same ideas of what mental health treatment is, so they might kind of see it as something that's only for people who need to be psychiatrically hospitalized, who have a severe mental illness. It can be very, very stigmatizing, the idea of going for mental health services. Alternately, when you're working with a asylum-seeking immigrant and the person kind of is able to make contact with you and it can feel humanizing and, and positive, and then they're sharing these really painful things about their experience and it's okay for them to do so, they're kind of wondering, well, who are you? What is, what is this relationship? There's this person who's suddenly listening to these really meaningful, important, painful things from my life, but what, what's this context? <laughs> so it's like, is this person a new friend? Is this person, you know, a, a doctor, just like any other doctor? Or is this person kind of 
also trying to get information from me from um, a legal perspective. So there can be a whole range of sort of mistrusting who this person is, what their agenda is, why they're trying to ask these questions about me, all the way to a really profound um, heart attachment with, with this person who's suddenly taking time and interest in you. So it can be kind of somewhat of a um, socialization into what therapy actually is and what the limits are. Also in terms of what the confidentiality is, but also uh, what the limits to the relationship are in traditional, um, traditional psychotherapy, the way that it's practiced. So in doing therapy, some common things that can come up for people include um, ongoing distrust and avoidance of the people who come from their country, the region, the language. It can be very difficult sometimes uh, to suggest somebody engage in a group therapy because they want to avoid people from their own culture. Sometimes that has to do with really well-founded fears that information about them could be uh, transmitted back to the country that they come from. Other times it's just sort of, you can think of it as a more um, classic uh, symptom of avoidance uh, that comes with post-traumatic experiences. Other times it can also be a signal that there's something sort of negative that's being internalized about their identity and about their culture and about their sense of self in relation to uh, people who they grew up with. People can also sometimes experience helplessness when they're not sure if their asylum case will be accepted and that the process is going on for quite a long time and that there's interview after interview and you know, having to go to this courtroom and then going to another and then filing all these papers um, and then also fulfilling any obligations that the country might impose on you as an asylum-seeking immigrant. Um, so that can be also very challenging and feel sort of like this insurmountable obstacle that never ends. Um, so, and, and as I said, also just dealing with new brands of racism in the country that you're living in now, maybe previously not encountered or just sort of a different, there might have been experiences of ethnic, um, anti-ethnic sentiment in the country of origin, but here, sometimes in the West, there can be xenophobia and racism that people couldn't have expected or even imagined until they get here and then ways to navigate that. Um, and that, that's something that could ideally be also discussed in, in the context of a therapy. Um, if a therapist is ready to kind of understand and acknowledge that those things are true and happening. So uh, there can also be survivor's guilt if somebody's left people behind and other people haven't survived. And um, concerns about, about their family well-being. And then also, also considerations that there might even be more severe mental health concerns like psychosis or suicidal ideation or suicide attempt. Those are also things that uh, we shouldn't discuss 
card or ignore that those might also be um, present for the person who's been sort of psychological resources have been wildly overtaxed. It can kind of lead somebody to more or less break in, uh, in certain situations. And so the way, that, the way that I see it, I think that people, I think that the, the kind of needs that, that people in this situation have, there's a need to be kind of rehumanized. There's a need to connect with their, their sense of humanity again and their sense of belongingness to other human beings. Um, there's a, a very strong need for connection again, uh, since a person has a hard time knowing um, if they belong in this new place, feeling like they can't go back to the place that they come from. So this really intense feeling of uprootedness can manifest in terms of extreme isolation and feeling um, socially deeply very disconnected from people. So just on a human level, really understanding that people really craving and needing these things that have gone unmet for a very, very long time in some cases. And also to be aware of what the individual's urgent concrete needs are. So typically in therapy setting, we kind of focus on just the, like the intrapsychic issues that are coming up, or maybe in this case, trying to focus on a diagnosis for purpose of writing an affidavit for asylum seekers, but also really spending time understanding what the, the housing needs are, um, the concrete family reunif reunification needs are, and then also just basic food, medical needs, eyeglasses, dentist, all these things that maybe have lagged behind for who knows how long, um, could be years in some cases. Um, and then really allowing the person to also create their own narrative of their life experiences. So to some extent, understanding the balance between providing sort of a, a, what we call psychoeducation about what trauma is and trying to help them understand that their experiences and their difficulty falling asleep at night, their inability to kind of cope and distract themselves from painful memories, um, and also their difficulty with keeping all these sort of things organized and keeping attention and having to manage all these massive tasks that they have in the host country, that kind of normalizing those things and saying that, uh, explaining how the mind has been, in a sense, overwhelmed over the course of many, many years, months to years, depending on the person's situation, and how it doesn't make them insane, it doesn't make them crazy to be struggling with the way that they're struggling. So trying to recognize if there's any traces of stigma that they might be internalizing about themselves for not being able to cope perfectly and smoothly in the new culture. Um, and just explaining that these are temporary things that can be worked on in various ways and that things will get better and that they have support. So, um, and then, uh, so managing, as I was saying, managing between the psychoeducation of explaining what, what trauma can do while also not imposing the trauma narrative too heavy-handedly on the person so that they can really decide for themselves 
what their role is, what their experience has been, the, the way they want to describe their struggle, to give them the space to describe their struggle. Thank you for listening. For more content, subscribe to our podcast or find us on our YouTube channel. Psychoanalysis should be free.